Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Wherever you are in this world today, I do greet you and welcome you to Wow, What a Show. This is the outreach live podcast of Rehoboth Institute of the Arts, and I am Phyllis, your host. It is so good to be amongst the brethren and those who are interested in learning about our wonderful salvation through Jesus Christ wrought by God himself. And that is really why we are here, to exalt and expose our God to anyone who will listen. Psalm 19 says that the heavens declare the glory of God, that the firmament shows his handiwork, that night un- uh, day unto day utter speech and night unto night shows knowledge. It's a wonderful thing to recognize in your life, as I recognize in mine, that every day is a declaration of the God that we only know when we seek him. But we look around and we can know a few things even before that. And that is that there is a great God who, or a great intelligence or a great something beyond ourselves that is in control of the things that man is not in control of, nor could he ever be. I dare say that as much as we, uh, you know, explore and go into outer space and travel to the depths of the ocean, even to the tops of the highest mountains, as we look into the depths of the rainforest and the desert, and we behold magnificent things, I dare say that any of our explorations and discoveries could ever, ever teach us how to control them. We are people, the inhabitants of a place that has been prepared for us. And according to the science that I read years ago with my children, this place is held by a very delicate and fragile balance that if the temperatures changed, even a slight, or the Earth's rotation were a little bit off course, just a little bit. I used to know that measure, I don't anymore. That things would go haywire, hogwire. And the Bible says that it's all upheld by the word of his power, his power, God's power. Good evening, Sir Tony Ritchie. How are you this evening? Uh, we're just again talking about the awesome position. Like today, I heard a man talk about awesome. You know, I was teaching a class and I um, tuned, we did something, you know, called, what are they called? They're called the uh, crash courses, right? And we're looking at geography. And so it's really a hippie kind of, you know, uh, real preppy presentation, very fast, witty talking. And ever so often, they'll just throw in these little side asides like jokes or little points. And this today in this lecture, he threw in the word awesome. And he said uh, in the in ex- explanation, you know, awesome is is a is a word that goes beyond its 
even the, the way we use it. Awesome means worthy of uh, the glory and the bounty. And he just went on with his explanation of the word awesome. I uh, I paid attention to it very closely because my daughter had told me some weeks ago, just re- you know, relatively recently, that no one, not any man, can really be called awesome. That that one word is ascribed to God and God alone, and only God can fulfill all that the word denotes. So God is an awe-inspiring or an awe-filled um, uh, person or, you know, entity. He is so powerful. He's all-knowing. He is um, everywhere present. That is worthy of a God being recognized as one who is great, awesome, is great. He is worthy of us as, uh, us worshiping, bowing to, paying attention to, you know, ascribing greatness to. He is our God and God is God, right? So when you meet people who are, you know, are going to like throw the monkey wrench in your faith and uh, try and prove to you. I mean, many, many documentaries have done this, prove to you that there is this doubt thing, you know, out there and that uh, maybe there is no God, maybe there is no Jesus Christ, all of this, right? And uh, when, when they do it, they end up, for me, deepening my faith because they actually cannot do it. All they can do is point to uh, possibilities. So when you're trying to convince somebody of of a wrong, right, they say circumstantial evidence won't do it. I mean, you can't do it on that merit. You must prove beyond a shadow of a doubt that the word is not true, but you can't come up with these little suppositions and try to prove that something isn't true. Suppose this, suppose that, suppose without definitive evidence, it cannot be stated. So the God, I think he always knew that and the evidence for him is quite definitive. Like every day, every day, the heavens are declaring his glory. What is his glory? It's the offshining of who he really is, his power his spoken word to uphold the world, to keep the balance, to provide seed time and harvest. You know, the most magnificent thing that I could ever imagine. I'm telling you really and truly, um, when you plant a seed in the earth and you put the little dried seed in there, you can hardly tell what that seed might be. And you bury it into this uh dirt, you know, and you've got in that dirt all manner of little creatures that that actually give me quite a little, um, you know, fright. I I don't like little creatures like that. I'm not afraid of all of them, but nonetheless. And and you think that this, um, this seed now is going into this dirt and that whatever is in there, all the things that are happening in that dirt that you would not pick up and eat. 
None of us would pick up a handful of dirt and eat it. We we just wouldn't do that. Nor would we bring it in the house and try to wash it in our sinks, you know, and cook it up in the pot. We wouldn't do that. But when you put that seed in that earth, if it is for food, when it grows, you will pick it and take it in the house. It looks nothing like the dirt. When you plant that seed of all the varieties of beautiful plants and flowers and trees, all of that, you look at it, you live with it. It doesn't bite you. It doesn't crawl on you, none of that. That to me is a, a, a tremendous miracle. And with the sun's support, either uh, filtered or direct or shady, we are fed by God's hands every day. And then those little uh, other living creatures, by the way, everything that comes out is living food. It isn't dead food. Once you start eating uh, vegetables that are dead, you're getting no nutrition and you might even get sick because they deteriorate. We are eating live food. See, God is something else to me. I, I really contemplate this wonderful, wonderful God that he is. Um, and he's past me finding out he's more than I can know. He's so much greater than I can ever fathom. And for me then, therefore, the word awesome certainly bespeaks this wonderful Lord that he is. I am so grateful that God has called my name and that God has caused me to be one of his children that in this world I have opportunity to get to know him and to come to him. Now, I've contemplated many, many thoughts today with regards, well, this afternoon to the podcast because I was so preoccupied today with uh, some duties with regards to my job and some things that I have to get done that I really hadn't kind of pulled it all together. It was the other morning that I had the, I, you know, the thought of what this podcast would be. So good evening, my dearest Shrees. It's so good that you're here. Thank you very much for joining us. Anyway, um... So I, I'm kind of all over the place a little bit, and yet it is very specific in my own mind what I want to speak. Um, but I'm contemplating on uh, a scripture that is from Second uh, Timothy, right? Well, really the Timothy books, First and Second Timothy, I, I just really believe every believer ought to just really comb through them. After you've combed through the, the Gospels, um, you ought to just really comb through these epistles because for me, the epistles magnify the, the work that Jesus Christ did and what he was teaching in the earth. Definitely when you spend, spend time in the Gospels and you really, really, really come to grips with Jesus and the redemptive work and how he trained the disciples to carry that work on forward after his resurrection, that is that's the foundation there and everything else must be built from that foundation can't go can't go you know any place else really you have to stay solid on the grounds that he's laid there but the epistles then do something uh that enhances what we've learned. And Second Timothy, there are two scriptures in this uh, these books that I love. One is that the um, the husbandman, the gardener, 
must be the first partaker of the fruit. So I grew up not really quite on a farm, but my uncle had a farm and I love the life of farmers. I do like the regularity of their um, connection to the seasons and the soil and the the, uh, regularity of how food is put on our tables. I love that. (laughs) And I could have been a farmer had it been in vogue when I was growing up. I'm a child of the, um, what do we call it? Well, how would I call it? Of the um, equality movement, you know, trying, getting black people educated and getting us ready to compete in the society, uh, broader society, so that we would measure up. So we were brought up to go to school. And to be a a farmer, you must go to school too. But I didn't know very much about that, even though there were agriculture and technology schools around. uh, I just went, you know, and and did what, you know, I should, I I don't want to go back and be young again, but it would have been nicer to have a little bit more wisdom and guidance when I was young. I told my mother once I wanted to be a chicken farmer, and she said, oh, Phil, chickens get so sick, you don't want to do that. Well, she had done it, you know. So I took her word for it, and I'm thinking I wouldn't know what to do with a sick chicken or, or, or how to deal with that, right? Well, once again, I didn't think about going to agriculture school. But I love the life of the farmer and the people who live close to the land and people who understand the cycles of this life that we live and how magnificent what God does is. And I tell you, I started to think this week about that food that comes out of the very earth that I shun. You know, I won't even walk barefoot on the on the ground because I learned early on about parasitic infection and how, you know, they come through that whatever, all that stuff. So I just don't do it. But then I was thinking, but I plant my uh, seeds in the earth. Somebody does anyway. And from the seed in that very earth, that I don't like, you know, I don't like to get too deep in it because there's so many things to be revealed in it. And I've studied it all in a lot of it in biology, right? I've seen what's there. I just don't want to be, be there. And yet the food that comes out of that same earth is nourishment for my body and it sits on my table and it has a totally different look, totally different look from the seed that went into the ground, right? And if you're eating well, you are eating from the ground and you want to get it as freshly done and as organically grown as you can. So that is one of the awesome, wonderful ways of God. So as as a workman, we must be the first partakers of the very fruit And Jesus Christ did say, unless a seed go into the ground and die, let's say die, they should put it in there. It will not live. It doesn't come back. Now, how does that kind of fit into my wandering thoughts tonight? Each of us must die. And I'm not talking about that end death when it's all said and done. Each of us must come to our own death to be resurrected to eternal life with our Father. 
to have the abundant life that he has promised us right here in this earth and now. And when we come to grips with the death of our own persons, our flesh, we call it flesh, only then can we grasp God. Guys, I'm telling you, it's only then. If I can call myself the sinner that I am, that is death. I recognize my own shortcomings. I recognize my own need and die to myself. I want the death to come. I remember when I prayed to God to crucify my words because I realized that I had not understood that my words will condemn me or justify me. So I asked the Lord all those words I had spoken before I came to the understanding of that scripture. I asked him to crucify every word that could condemn me because I'm sure I've spoken more than one, quite a plenty. There are words. And then you go on and you recognize more of your flesh and ask the Lord to deliver me from whatever those sins are. Deliver me, O Lord. Deliver me. In other words, rescue me from the grips of it. Deliver me. Break the chains and the bondage the bondages that hold me, deliver me, Lord. Release me from the entrapment of, because as people, we are really and truly born in sin. And listen, I don't care how many degrees we achieve. I don't care how much fame or fortune we manage to um, amass to ourselves. I don't care whether we live in a shack are homeless or in palaces and mansions. It really doesn't matter. Every man is in himself lost and a sinner. I read a writing that I did a couple of weeks ago. We are born looking up. Every baby has to look up. You know, we come into this world and the hands that care for us are way above us. As a little child, I can remember standing beside my uncle and thinking that he was as tall as a tree. He was a very tall man. But I felt the same pretty much standing beside my mother and my father. They were so much taller than I. And so my life proceeded as if I were moving in an upward direction. When all along, by the climb, the continual, uh, you know, thinking that I'm getting higher and higher. I reach a point in life where the weight of who I am, and I, the metaphor of that is being uh, the limb, takes me all the way down. I plummet into a place, uh, a position, an understanding, an awareness that I have no power. I cannot transform myself. And so I cry out because now the weight of all of that is 
very, very distasteful. And it is a barrier to me climbing, reaching the um, pinnacle that I think I want. But then as God touches me there in that lowly place, in that lowly position, in that lowly awareness that I am really not very much here, you know, that I have no real power to gain what I desire. Joy, peace, happiness, love, you know, fortune, any of that. I have failed magnanimously. When that happens and God actually touches and transforms my mind, he moves me from the darkness into the light. Then I realize that salvation is the way for me. And so I allow, if I understand this, I allow the Lord then to cause more death to this flesh. He brings us to it face to face with who we are because we keep running into our own problems. We keep running into the barriers that keep us from the ascent that we want. And so every time we get to that barrier, we know if we will allow the Holy Spirit to deal with us, we know it's us and there's no one else. It's really me, Lord. There's a song, it's me, it's me, oh Lord, standing in the need of prayer. Not my sister, not my brother, they probably do too, but it really is me today, oh Lord, I see it. I need prayer. Really what I need is your continual ministry to transform and change me so that I am able to live the life that is abundant. And I want to be able to rise out of the depths of my own despair. I'm going to tell you too, if you do it, you know, it, if when we do it, when we let the Lord just tell you who you are, when we let the Lord just have his way at exposing our flesh, when that happens, then we are able to grow. We get better at our lives. We move stronger into the ascent, the very life that we are searching out. We want to be something that we don't know what to call it when we are younger. We are going in a direction that we really think is the right way, but it's so like not the right way. And we are climbing to be who and what. It becomes apparent when you actually die like the seed in the earth. Good evening to Hogar and Tini and Shreese. I think I said Shreese already. So we're just talking tonight. You know what I'd like to ask you to do too? And, and, and I do want to, I want the answer. So if you're willing to share it tonight and you type it in, I promise you I will. If you don't want, well, everybody's going to see it if you type it in. But I, I will also record it. I want to know if you could design church, what would it be like? 
if you could add or take away from your church experience, what would it be? How would you, uh, you know, put together, construct a church? Now, I don't think you can answer that question really and truly if you haven't read the book of Acts and if you haven't read through the epistles and if you have not read Matthew, where Jesus Christ gives, um, it's Matthew, let's see, uh, I think it's uh, chapter 16 here, uh, the foundational uh, builder that is Jesus Christ, who the men say that I am, right? And if you don't recognize a few things, then you might not be able to answer the question. And if you don't go to church, you might not be able to answer the question. But if you do, oh, you cannot hear? Nobody can hear? Hmm. I don't understand why. Can you hear me out there? Hmm. If you, if you, oh boy, this is really odd. Can you hear now? Please give me a sign that you can hear. Okay, yes, praying, hearing, reading, then coming. Okie dokie. Alrighty, sorry. So did you hear me ask the question, if you could design church, what would it be? What would you do different? And like I said, if you don't, if you haven't been to church, if you haven't read the book of Acts, if you haven't read the Gospels, uh, and then read through some of these epistles where many churches were being established, you know, you may have like a, a, a duh in your head, like I don't know, right? But if you have some knowledge of the biblical uh, foundation, founding of the church, God establishing it, then and you've been to church, right? Is there anything missing there? Is there something that you would want, right? I want to know what that is because I am coming to an understanding, I believe, of what church really is all about. And until we also are willing to be transformed through the mechanism church, that God has left for us to have a close affiliation with other believers, which is required. If you're going to grow, then you won't be able to be the first partaker of the fruit. When I was a teller, we were taught to recognize the, uh, the, real, the real money. We were to, you had to be able to recognize. So they taught us everything about what's on the face of a bill, right? Not change, because that, that the way that it is hard to uh, counterfeit uh, change, but the dollars that came through. And the reason that we had to learn to recognize the true is because the fake, the counterfeit, would then be all the more evident. Right, So when you are growing in Christ, when you are the first partaker of the fruit, you are getting to know who God really is, how he operates. You are prepared 
to live a lifestyle of ministry because you will be able to recognize the counterfeit. And so when it shows up, you will be prepared again to circumnavigate or to go through the experience and allow God to fight the battle or to guide you through or show you how to escape. So temptations come, right? Um, misinterpretations of your own, what you think the Lord would have you do and be. That also comes um, interactions that are t intense uh, will, uh, you know, will be there to kind of make life horrid. Uh, we will get anxious when things are not uh, in peace or when there are troubles that we have to face. Lots of stuff comes. And the reason I'm saying that we should read the Timothy books, and I'm not going to go through them and read them, because honest to goodness, let me tell you, I believe that when you sit with God in his word alone, there's something very magnificent that you will experience. You will go through something beautiful. And that will be transformative. And it, it, you can't, you don't lose it. When I, when I, uh, I show a video to the students, it's, I, I'm not showing it so that I can uh, grade them on it. I don't make a test or anything. But each video has its own little quiz. And I tell them, first I teach the lesson. Then we do activities to have them uh, apply the, the strategies in the lesson or the new, new information learned. Then I show the video. And then I have them do the quiz. Now, and I'm not grading, I'm, I'm not putting a grade on any of this. I don't desire to grade the body. My only purpose as a teacher is to get them to learn it. If you know it, if you know it, however long it takes you, however much you have to repeat and re go through the video, etc., I want you to know it. I want you to know it. And that's what God is doing with us. I'm telling you, he wants us to know him. He wants us to be transformed. Who wants? Who am I to say what God wants? This is what I know, though. By his own methods and his training, he is so willing that we should really know him, really be reborn, really be transformed, really grow up into the fullness of the stature of Jesus Christ, really become like him. The whole read of this word, this wonderful Bible, shows me that. It shows me that. Oh, I don't mind the teaching, but I feel we should pray more and sing them fellowship at other times in the week. Okay, so this is what she would change. We in places where what God is working in me is executed part practically with the church. Us. You know what? This is you have hit a you've you've unearthed a diamond. And I am in total agreement with you. Um, good evening, Reams. How are you? I don't mind the teaching. No, who would? It's excitement, right? When you go into church and you hear the teachings and the sermons, etc. that go on. But we need to pray more and sing them, sing our prayers. We need that fellowship at other times in the week where what God is working in us 
is executed in a practical way with the church. And that brings us to the lifestyle. We are, as Christians, you are living a particular lifestyle. It isn't the everyday thing, the trends of the world. It is not the same laughter. It is not the same conversations. It's not the same work, even though the work may have the same title. We are children of God. We really are born again. But the only time I believe, I believe this, you all, with all my heart, when you really, really get a good grip on the love that God has for you and the, the love you in turn have for him, will you come to it? You must love him. And that love that we feel for him, though we could use the word love, I want to tell you that love will grow and grow and grow and grow some more because as the fallen creatures that we come in are from we are reborn from the death that we have been living all of the, however long it took you to get there right and so when you when you're reborn you're like a child coming again you're like a baby growing up into a whole new uh, thought process and so it is important to stay close children stay close to their parents Parents never leave them forsaken. And what Jesus Christ says, I will never leave you. I won't forsake you. I'm always here, right? But will you be a wayward, disobedient child and, and walk in every direction? And then he has to uh, run behind you and, you know, pull you out of the way of this uh, uh, tragedy and that tragedy. All the time he's making the way of escape for every temptation. All the time he's giving you the direction. All the time. So then the question is, how can I do it? How can I do it? Well, I cannot give you like a, a one, two, three. Jesus Christ did that in the, in the, in the Gospels. He's telling the, the disciples all the time what to do. But I can tell you how it translated in my own personal experience and is continuing to translate. The constancy of prayer. Thank you, Anna Kenny, for that. The constancy of prayer. And it can't be play around prayer. You don't just, you know, play around. Jesus said pray without ceasing. Don't ever stop. Don't ever stop praying. Keep praying. Let your inner conversation be prayer. You know, all those thoughts that can try to overtake your mind and just make you be this, that, or the other. Got to get that stopped. Peace I give you. My peace I leave you. Not as the world gives peace, give out to you. The peace that you can gain from continuously knowing, being in fellowship, praying with the Lord is a peace that calms the, the wild and crazy mind. You know, lots of stuff gets into our minds because we live in a world of uh, the constant flow of stuff, words, information, music, film, you know, all from every which way. Even education can be a dangerous thing if you don't really, really check what is living in your mind and how you are uh, allowing it to speak to you. It is written in, uh, what is John 10, 4, 5, and 6, so it's right in there. Um, my sheep hear my voice and follow me. 
they will not hear the voice of a stranger. That's the mind we want, one that is hearing the voice of God. Now, back to the knowing the truth, you know, recognizing the real thing over the false thing. Now, the, the epistles will just highlight and let you see the false. All the works of the, of the enemy are in there. Lots of talk about that in the epistles. Jesus Christ shows himself. And as we see Christ, as we see Jesus, and he tells us that he is one with God. And now the way I understand it, you all, that we do not have three gods. We have a God who is able to impose a, uh, a figure of humanity into the world to become the propitiation required for redemption and to live in that plant, that, that very flesh, right? Because everything after his own kind, a man had to pay the penalty for the sins of men. A sheep and a goat couldn't do it, though it stood as a substitute until the appointed time when Jesus Christ should come. And then the Holy Spirit, again, it's God as he speaks to his people through it by a spiritual communication. He is the Holy Spirit as well. He is the fullness of our need. He is the Son. He is the Spirit, the communicator. He is the Almighty singular God, the Father, who we need and cry out to, right? So in all of this, right, we uh, get to know him as we learn of him, as we learn of him, and as we continue to communicate. All of the efforts of a man cannot make the man good, but the transforming power, the regeneration of the mind, the newness of sight is what helps us, what brings us, I'm sorry, not helps. It actually is the transformation that we need. It, re, uh, it brings us up into the new creatures that we have become. God has recreated. He's given us a new birth. And so we are able to become Day by day, as we die more to the flesh, we become more like him. And guys, you know what? It takes the whole lifetime. Thank God for stretching it out, man. And it takes the amount of days and nights, minutes, seconds, hours that he gives us to become. And even then, he tells us that he will finish the work. So when we come to the final hours of our lives, the final moments, God is finishing that work. And the beautiful thing is that he will receive us into the word everlasting life. To be eternally with him in his presence, living in the absence of all that we have experienced in a world that is fallen. No more death, no more pain, no more sorrow, no more sickness. Isn't that going to be wonderful? I'm telling you, in fellowship, think about relationships where there's no more, you know, misunderstandings in a communication and no more tensions. We're going to understand that that God may, you know, give, gives us all a process by which we think 
and then there'll be no more harsh judgment, you know, condemnation of people because they're not like you or me. There'll be no more, oh, they just get on my nerves. There won't be that. None of that will be there. But even as we are traveling there, if you're allowing or you you know if the if the, the transformation I shouldn't even say allow if the transformation is taking place in you you you're overcoming a whole lot of that right now right you really are and so am I I went to Bible study right I couldn't stay the whole time but what a great Bible study it was on the you know Romans what is it three verse uh, fourteen seventeen anyway all have sinned and come short of the glory every man has sinned. And we will, you know, the sin, we don't sin like we used to sin. Absolutely not. But the con the, the constancy of the tendency of this flesh to battle with the spirit is with us. And it is only because we are reckoned to be what we need to be to go to heaven that we are going to make it there. So our love of God, our love for what he has done for us is what is the glue that keeps us to him and if you have to sit down and contemplate what you used to be to remember and know that god has been with you and loving you all through the years of your days so that you can give him thanks and praise him and worship him do it every day you get up say lord today i am a little closer to being the field person, filled with your spirit, more like you, growing into what you've already reckoned me to be, and that is a new creation, which you are, and I am, and we glorify him, and we thank him, and so uh, I come to, let's see, it's Second uh, Timothy, verse 2, I mean, chapter two, I'm so sorry, verse two, chapter two. Um, and so I'm going to read it to the point where I, I don't need to read it anymore, okay? Uh, it, it's written here. Thou therefore, my son, uh, Timothy, uh, Paul has been writing to Timothy. And, it, you know, I, I, I can't remember details, but I'm writing down, so I'm not going to go back. But this, these two books, I grew up in my early teens in, in these two books, I used to read them back to back to back to back. And I would write, this is what you do. This is what you do, right? Now, I couldn't do them, but the Lord God put this word in my heart. And this word, by its miraculous power, transformed me. And I conformed to some of it. I'm still conforming, but I got some of it. It was guiding principles, right? So thou, therefore, my son, be strong in the grace of that is in Christ Jesus. Grace, you all. Be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who I shall be able to teach others also. Who shall be able to teach others also. So he said, pass it on. What you've heard of me by faithful witnesses, you take it and then you pass it on to someone else that they may teach someone else lifestyle, living every day as the person that you have been transformed to be. And even before we are actually living it out, we are 
figuring the, the facts and rehearsing them back so that we then are coming into the faith of it all, right? Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. In other words, go through it, Timothy. Take it. Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No man that wars entangles himself with the affairs of this life, that he uh, be, that he may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier. I think that this is the most, uh, what is it, penetrating uh, point that will kick us over the goalpost of from from the goalpost into the you know the uh extra points there on the on that field we want to we want to traverse the barrier from flesh to spirit and if you can understand that you are not to be entangled or i mean me to entangled with the affairs of this life in other words we get all caught up you know i heard oh i heard this man on the podcast he's written a book that i'm interested in reading and he says you know anymore our faith has become so politicized we are trying to turn the government into what god said the kingdom is and the government can never be I, I just sat right up and I'm saying, well, hallelujah, more than me thinking in that vein. Now, I'm not as articulate as the man in explaining it all, but surely I'm saying to you, politics is not the place that we are going. We're not, God is not going to make this world the perfect place. He has gone away to prepare a place for us that where he is, we may be also. And there will be a new heaven and a new earth. This government, this reign down here, is never, it, it's not, that's not what it's doing. So our politics is not about making the world perfect, nor our society perfect. Our politics simply is about keeping it all together till Jesus come as best we can. And sometimes you're going to, you know, kick over a bucket that you don't agree with or you're going to run into a barrier. But you must say to the Lord and to yourself, which way should we go, Lord, in order to hold back the tyranny and save as many people as we can until you come? That's all politics is about. Enduring the hardships of this uh, faith walk as a good soldier, that's what we are about. And seeing the kingdom, we are under the governance and under the rule of our sovereign. And he is not called president anybody, nor is he a senator or a congressman. He is our father. He is almighty God, the great I am, Jehovah the first and the last, the bright and the morning star, the rose of Sharon. He is Adonai. He is all that there is nothing to match in the world. He's not that. He is not limited like that. But he told us to obey magistrates. He told us to be good citizens here. 
Why? So that others will be drawn to him. He's been lifted up. We point to that lifting up, that death on the cross, the redemption wrought by his shed blood, and the ultimate resurrection, that there is no uh, uh, evidence that didn't happen. There's great evidence that it did happen. And I choose to go with the evidence, you see. That's what we are about, living out our faith. For no man that wars entangles himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who have chosen him to be a soldier. And if a man also strive for masteries, yet is he not crowned, except he strive lawfully. Right? So being in the kingdom, we got to know the rules and the regulations of our great governor, our great God. He governs. And how are you going to know it? You read the Bible and I'm telling you, I never tried to memorize anything, but I did. I tried to memorize for my mother. She paid me the first psalm, which I had never forgotten even to the day I was five years old or so when I did it. And then Psalm 116, I wanted to know it. Um, so I read it over and over and over again. And Psalm 123, I'm sorry, I pasted it on the wall. But to try and memorize a lot of scripture, I haven't done that. And yet, the Bible tells me in, in the book of the, the Gospels, right? He says, the Holy Spirit will bring to your remembrance all truth. And he has never failed me in that. You read and you read and you read and you keep reading. You read it over and you read it over and pretty much it's going to sink right into you. And not only will it sink into you for the sake of memorizing it, but it will sink into you to transform you. Amen. It sinks into us. It is like the permeability of water across the cell membrane is just going to seep into us and we're just going to become it if we read it. If we interact with it, right, and pray. And the husbandman then that labors must be first partaker of the fruits. You got to taste it first. You got to know it's good and sweet before you go out and give it to someone else. Mm. Consider what I say. And the Lord give thee understanding in all things. Remember that Jesus Christ of the seed of David was raised from the dead according to my gospel. Paul giving his gospel over. Wherein I suffer trouble as an evildoer even unto bonds. He's bound in. But the word of God is not bound. Therefore, I endure all things for the elect's sake, that they may also obtain the salvation which is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. It goes on. Oh, it's such a good read. Lord have mercy. This the God's word I told you for me is, is like a song. For if we be dead with him, we shall also live with him. And if we suffer, we shall also reign with him. If we deny him, he also will deny us. If we believe not, yet he abideth faithful. He cannot deny himself. 
Ooh, the word is wonderful. The word is wonderful, darlings. And all I wanted to say tonight to us, let me tell you, when I come and talk with you, I want you to know I've been sitting up with tears in my eyes, getting it for myself. And it's only then that I can come and be the witness. I want God to satisfy me with the beauty of this word. I want that word to seep into me like that water across the cell membrane. I want to be transformed. I want to be the fullness of the stature of Jesus Christ. I'm, that's where I want to go. You see, that's who I want to be. I recognize my tendency to sin and to err. I recognize sometimes that I allow the wrong thing to slip in and immediately by the grace of Almighty God, he reminds me that it doesn't have to be that way. And so we rebuke it. I am aware that I have sometimes a reaction that is not holy and I get before the Lord and say, explain it to me because I'm one of your little dumb sheep. And sometimes I just don't understand what's going on within me, but I give it over to our father because he is a good and caring God. He cares what I go through. And when I lay it at his feet, when I give him the burden, he lifts it. He explains it to me. He makes me see and he gives me the activity just like with my students. I want you to get this. I want you to know it. I want you to learn it. So when you take that test, it's automatic in you. So we practice. And when I write the lesson plan, I have to give the objective. Then I have to say, this is what we're going to do. And then this is how we're going to do it. The activity. That's God. He will give you opportunity to apply, to practice until you get it right, until I get it right, until we get it right. He loves us, you all, and he is not going to forsake us. He is not going to abandon or leave us barren. He is going to finish the work, and this is how it is. And I lay my life before him and say, Lord, I cooperate, whatever you tell me, if I can hear it. And then I pray, open my deaf ears. So that I hear you and let me see with thine eye alone and don't let me Lord God think myself so wonderful and be so decisive in my plans and let me indeed esteem others and that's hard for me to do esteem others better than myself let me put them before me and I pray in the name of Jesus Christ I want to be like you Lord and Father, that is the prayer I pray for us all today, that we will be very serious. And you see, I'm called, people tell me you're very passionate, you know. I don't know what they totally mean by that, but I do take my relationship with God seriously. I am not playing around and dilly-dallying with the, you know, the jokes and the, the these little trendy things that we can get all balled up in in this life. I want to keep my eye and my focus on him. Be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. And I pray that for us all, we are the circumcision. We worship God in the spirit 
and rejoice in Christ Jesus. And we have no confidence in the flesh. It is all in you, my Lord. And you know what? We are so grateful because we could not finish this work. If you had not told us that you do it, I dare say that any of us would have the confidence of our salvation. But the witness of the Spirit is in us and you have also promised. And you do not lie. You keep every promise, every promise in Christ Jesus. It is written as both yea and amen. It's finished. It's done. You're going to finish the work and get us into that glorious resting place that you have gone and prepared for us. For this, I give you all praise, glory, honor, and thanks. I thank you, Lord, in the name of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Yes. Oh, I'm so excited to have you all come and gather with me around this wonderful table set before us through the word of God and that we dine here on such a magnificent listen the Bible is so replete with the magnificence of what God has done is doing and has done future wise so when we read it we are greatly lifted up from the mundane place you know, we have to live in this world. And I used to tell the Lord, yes, Father, it's, it's wonderful just to be here. But I got to go out and live in these days. I would literally say it. I could feel myself. Oh, what would happen? It was almost an anxiety I had. I don't want these days, these days that could grip me, that could change me from this moment of absolute wonder right here and now in worship with you. What is going to happen when I have to walk out of this place? But guess what he assured me? First of all, you can go in and out and have green grace. And you can just, you, you, it's their pasture. You have a pasture wherever you are because I am there. You will never be forsaken. I will always be with you. And so in the days of my life, he is near and he is near to you. And all we have to do is take a breath. And remember, and I'm asking him tonight, Father, let me take that breath in the challenging moments. I just want to inhale and exhale. And remember and know that you're there and that you will speak and guide me. Thank you, Father. And all of us, in the name of Jesus Christ, I thank you. It's been a really great night. And if you have any thoughts on what you would add or enhance with a, uh, uh, the relationship of church members, if you could design church according to God's, you know, what you understand the word to have uh, taught us about the establishment of the church and the fellowship that is to follow and its function, I really do want to know. I do. And so please share it with me and the Lord our God. Bless and keep you always in the faith, in the faith, in the faith. And then whatever hardships befall, we are able to endure as a soldier, as a good soldier. 
God, we bless you. Oh, Sister Amy. Hello there, Sister Amy. Our game. There's so many new uh, names. Arwen Nurse. Arwenins. <laughs> I'm sorry, I don't have coffee. Darko. Greens. Uh, Chef the Constant Hogar. All of you, you're very welcome. And your comments as well. The Lord is so good. You know, this is church for me. And yet, the church that I attend is also church for me, right? There are good things that happen there. And uh, I just want to be a good church member. Uh, and I don't mean church member, house church somewhere, you know, building church. I mean the, the entire body of Christ scattered all through the world. It's like uh, uh, Peter, right, to the church at Cappadocia and Pont, 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 what is it? I can't remember them anymore, but he named about five or six places because that's where the church is. We are everywhere. We are everywhere. You have come, and as I said, the dining has been amazing. We have a wonderful chef, you know what I mean? Only God could really uh, cook up the delectables and the wonderful things that we have. <laughs> uh, we have um, tasted tonight, and we just want the Lord to uh, cause us to, to be nourished by it. Amen. Praise the Lord. Good study from God's Word. Father, may you keep my heart, soul, and mind riveted on you, your Word. Amen. This is wonderful. Thank you, Sister Ames, to hear this right on word from the Lord. You know, he's good, he's good, he's better than good. And to all of you, I really ask the Lord to bless you. One day we're going to just break that word open. What am I saying when I say bless them, Lord? I'm saying give them good peace. Give them every provision, Lord, and cause them to be at rest, Lord, and in full confidence of your ability to do whatever we need. That's everything, right? And with that, I say, have an excellent, wonderful rest of your day, night, or rest in Christ Jesus. Bye-bye, and by his grace and power, I shall see you next time. Because I really do see you, you know. It's as if I am sitting in a church with you. Bless you. Good night. Good day.